0: I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 26. The only podcast for brokers, by brokers. I Love Mortgage Brokering will inspire you to up your mortgage business. Join your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today. Rob regan Pollock is the number one mortgage broker with Invis in Western Canada. He's been a broker for 20 years and absolutely rocks his mortgage business. I am stoked about this interview today. Rob, are you ready to rock? I am ready to rock. Cool. So I always like to start by asking you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business.
1: All right. Well, um, I've been in the business for 20 years. Um, I have a background in aviation, so that aviation background really helped me from a uh, standard operating procedure uh, perspective. So over the last 20 years, I started out as a sole practitioner and then used systems that I learned in aviation uh, to basically systemize uh, a business, and we're now uh, 11 people and, um, yeah, really excited about the uh, the team and, and how well we're continuing to uh, grow and develop our business.
0: So what did you do in aviation?
1: Oh, I was an airline pilot for Canadian Regional Airlines.
0: Oh, okay. And did you guys have, like, flight checklists and stuff that you used?
1: You got it. It's all, yeah. Um, the thing about aviation is it's terribly unforgiving. So, uh, you know, the takeoff is optional, but the landing is mandatory. <laughs> So uh, they make sure that uh, regardless of, of the day or the conditions, you have a set checklist and process that you follow. So right. you learn that right from ground school and breaking down the systems of the airplane uh, to operational uh, contingencies, um, you know things going wrong. Everything has a checklist. So uh, that was actually perfect training for getting uh, involved in mortgage brokering.
0: So do you have that? I, I have to ask this, but do you have that sort of built into your business now?
1: Uh, we do absolutely, yeah. So there's uh, set checklists and uh, a procedure manual uh, that we developed, and uh, I have to thank my lovely wife Francine for uh, for helping me develop that. Um, it's, a, it's actually, believe it or not, a 200-page manual of how we do things here, right? From the mindset that we have of our team uh, to taking leads and following up on people. So it's uh, it's a pretty uh, it's straightforward in a sense, Scott. That it's easy to follow, but it's 200 pages because it's yeah, deals with all the different contingencies that can happen uh, when we're dealing with
0: people, right? And you want to make sure that it's that there's consistency in the in the experience, exactly. And that's what it's all about. So, how did you go from pilot to what? Like, because nobody, you know, as a little kid, said, "I want to be a mortgage <laughs> broker," when I get up, because I don't even think it existed probably when when you're a little kid. But so, how did you go from airline pilot, which is a pretty good career and with some pretty good perks, to mortgage broker?
1: Yeah, so it just turned out to be at that, that age where I was uh, on the bubble. So when I was with Canadian Regional Airlines, you have your seniority number and you're expected to move up the ladder. Well, moving up the ladder became challenging because I was with Canadian, and uh, as you know, they're no longer around. So um, when I was laid off from Canadian Airlines, they said this could be a very long layoff, and what they wanted to do, in fairness to us, is to have some vocational aptitude testing to sort of understand what are some of the other things that you might be able to, to do. So one of them turned out to be credit manager uh, for my profile, and I had no idea what a credit manager was. And it was just through happenstance that a buddy of mine who is a mortgage broker said, well, credit management is effectively what we do. So, you know, what are your vocational skills? And I said, well, mine are basically taking, you know, a number of elements autonomously and then moving it from A to B, like a flight plan. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, that's kind of what we do in mortgaging. You know, people are here and they want to be here and they need a plan to get them there. So uh, we kind of had a good conversation, and it was uh, really interesting to find out that fuel can be like income, you know credit can be like weather. So what I was able to do is quickly determine you know the different aspects of flight planning and, and risk in aviation to this credit um, you know, credit management role, which is effectively what, what we are. It's you know technical sales. so um, yeah, so that's how it all started. So my friend said, "Well, why don't I introduce you to the managing partner?" Um, I got sponsored, and you know the rest is history. Here I am,
0: dude. That that sounds like a book to me. Like seriously, <laughs> I'm like I I can picture a book right from that whole concept of like fuel is the, you know, income. And what do you say the, the
1: yeah weather is like a credit report,
0: right? You know, yeah, yeah. It's
1: a little stormy. Sometimes a little dark. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, dude. This that's so good. Like, have you ever taken the time to like you know put that into any sort of a you know book or something?
1: No, um I guess that's something that I could uh, look forward to uh when things uh quiet down. Uh, I've been so focused on on brokering and uh sort of love what I do and and that really uh takes up most of my time,
0: Scott. Right. No, that's a, I love that whole metaphor. It's just fantastic and there's so many ways that it parallels what we do and I never would have I never even thought of that until you uh until you, you know, used that example. So awesome. So before I dive into your story, I always like to ask about a success quote that has impacted your life or business because I find quotes distill like a big thought into a really simple. You know, you can carry it with you, a portable in portable thought. And so, can you share with us an example of a quote that's really impacted you?
1: Yeah, the the one that I that resonates with me most is the uh, Teddy Roosevelt. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care.
0: And so that quote, how have you applied that to your like to your business?
1: Well, from the business perspective, is you know we are selling at, at you know the intangible. Uh, quite often, it's viewed as a transaction. So, what people are looking for is relevance and understanding and a connection. So, that's really what we do from from day one. So, when people are calling in, we really have about sixty to ninety seconds to to bond with them to show that we understand. But what's you know, so this is kind of like a, a bonding exercise. So, applying that quote of "no one cares how much you know." We know as mortgage professionals that we know the inside, you know, the ins and outs, and we're capable of helping these people. Uh, but what we need to do is to really show them how much we care. We listen to their story. We understand where they are. So it's really establishing that communication and that connection that is that is critical within the first 60 to 90 seconds of, of meeting people.
0: Right. And so, can you? So, what do you? What like? Can you give me like a little snippet of what that looks like? So, if I'm a client and, or a new referral that gets sent to you, what? you've got your 200 pages there must be a page or two on that intro what does that look like
1: yeah so uh, you know off the top of my head so if somebody calls we like to find out uh, how they learned about us uh what did the people say about us uh that we'd be thanking them you know following up with those people to thank them that we do work on a on a referral uh, basis as an established company that's really how our business grows so we're thrilled that they contacted us we find out where they are in the process uh... you know we ne- we never take anything for granted so it- it's a lot of rapport building and understanding you know where they are uh... in the process and what we can do to assist them from this point forward so it, it starts at a high level you know forty thousand feet and then we distill it down. So mm-hmm. usually the first conversation is 15 or 20 minutes, and it's all about getting to understand who these people are, how they refer to us, where are they in the process, and then identifying ways that we can uh, we can add value and make this transaction uh, collaborative and meaningful for them.
0: Right. And then so who follows up with the person who referred, and when does that happen? Like so, you know, this person call. Say I call in, and somebody told me to call you. Like who would contact me to say, hey, that they've been introduced.
1: Yeah, so that uh, depends on, yeah, two things. So the the short answer is 24 to 48 hours um, the referral source is thanked. Uh, we send actually a handwritten card with a little Starbucks gift certificate or Tim Hortons, depending where they are, and um, as a way of saying thank you, we want to re- uh, reward referral behavior uh, as quickly as possible. So the referral appreciation card goes out right away. The person who calls, it can be the advisor who is actually looking after it, um, but, uh, you know, there's some... Key referral sources that I would be the person that I would actually phone because that re- the relationship is more so with me and it was established a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that that's another system. So uh, we track every lead that comes into the firm, so we know whether they're from a past client, a real estate agent, a financial planner, a business-to-business contact. So it's all systemized. So the administrators know where to you know where to direct the person to thank the referral source, whether it goes to the advisor, whether it goes to me.
0: Right, and that's one of those things you talked about earlier in your flight plan. Having uh, what did you call them? Not de- deviations or
1: oh, contingency, contingency you know, checklist, yeah, checklist, yeah, and yeah, and, and, and contingency checklist.
0: Exactly. Right. So, and it comes in if it's the t- certain referral source, then it's oh, this is Rob's call to make. Other times, it might be someone else. So that's cool. Well, thank you for sharing that because I, I like to ask these things because it helps me see how you think, and then it helps me improve my, my business, and also other people listening will be like, hey, yeah, maybe I need to. I need to tighten up my process a bit.
1: Yeah, I so, know. Happy to share. That was, that's cool.
0: So uh, the uh, I always also find failures been I've, – I've definitely, as a mortgage broker and entrepreneur, i failed at things. And looking back, there's always a lesson in it. And so can you share an example of something that maybe you failed at that didn't work out the way you were hoping, but looking back, that you there was a lesson?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's actually a really good question because um, – you know, after you've been established in business for a while, you know, you think that you've seen everything and, and, you know, you're always surprised by something that jumps up and bites you in the butt. And I had a a placement on the uh, island. It was a residential placement. It was 10 acres, but those 10 acres was destined for redevelopment. It was in a small community and um, everything we did, we did by the book. It was you know, appraisals and, you know, the current value. So I, I, I had some investors come in to assist this developer in acquiring the land, you know, on a residential basis. Uh, and then, you know, the whole exit strategy was the rezoning. Um, I even spoke to the um, municipality and to the planning department that said, oh, yeah, you know, that's slated for redevelopment. And, you know, we understand that the person now is getting their plenary layout approval all set up and, you know, we'll approve the PLA. So everything looked like it was golden. And then there was a change in um the political structure of that town. basically, an election happened, and the whole idea now was that this ten acres was best served as a park and no longer for redevelopment so all of a sudden, my exit strategy for this particular loan was was gone uh even though everything made sense, everything you know appraised um you know basically scott uh you know there's marketing risk, there's developing risk I mean we're all aware of the you know the pros and cons and the risks of Looking at development sites, mm-hmm. but I never thought that political risk could kill a deal, and that's exactly what happened. So the person, the, the uh, developer who bought the land, actually uh, went bankrupt because he put everything into that, and, and, and the inability to develop it could not maintain the uh, the payments. So my investors actually wound up having to foreclose on it. So they still own the land. Um, it's still zoned so for single family. They're you know they're okay but um it was one where you know you never anticipate something like political risk uh you know you don't you don't really train to think about that when you're becoming a mortgage broker well or, and
0: you can't mortgage plan mortgage for it either broker. really i mean you yeah. don't you don't know who's going to but i guess that's the nature of our real estate and and investment is there's always risk that you can't you can't plan for
1: yeah so that one totally uh, totally bit me so it was you know, you know the only one uh time that i've not been able to get uh investors out or avoid a foreclosure situation. So, uh, good thing is that we're conservatively advanced, and you know the loan-to-own program is is what this deal turned out to be. So, uh, felt bad for the borrower. Felt bad for my investors having to go through this because they never expected that they'd have to, to do that. So, um, yeah. So, small communities. Um, yeah. The the caveat there is watch out for political risk. Because political risk and. Change the flavor of a deal in a heartbeat, and we never really think about
0: that. So you said something just that was interesting. The loan to own program. So what what is that?
1: Well, yeah, it's just it's a it's a, a, an industry terminology that um, but with private lenders when they're making an investment into a, a property, loan to own becomes a term where. The exit strategy may not be that well defined, and that there's a you know a large amount of risk with the deal that they have to like the property and like the prospects of eventually having to foreclose and either go order absolute or um, conduct a sale. So in this particular right. case, they went order absolute and uh, took possession of the land. That was the best way for them to uh, to extricate themselves. So they're happy. They they have 10 acres, uh, you know, within a town site on the island, and um, the value is there. And they're just uh, waiting to see if the political tides change, and they can uh, get it redeveloped in future.
0: Hmm. Okay. So yeah, I, I just I thought maybe you had a program for that, but that's just a, a oh, way. No. Yeah, just a way to describe what the outcome of a private loan that may not go the way you you hope.
1: Exactly. You got it. Okay.
0: Cool. Well, I hadn't heard it before. So. okay. (laughs) I know I've been doing this eight or nine years and I have not, I don't do a ton. I'm not in the, I don't do a lot of private loans. So, but uh, I hadn't actually heard that. So I know you're probably thinking, what, who is this kid interviewing me? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I know, I also, I noticed that successful brokers always have systems and processes. And I know that you do, especially being, you know, being an airline pilot. Um, and they're willing to adjust them in order to get a better result. So I'm going to ask you first about uh, administrative process. So can you share a specific administrative process that maybe wasn't working as well as you'd like, and then what kind of tweak you made and what the outcome was?
1: Yeah. So um, administratively, we like to uh, to really position ourselves as relational. So rather than competing with with the banks at a transaction level and trying to win the transaction. What we like to do is to educate the borrower that man, the concept of managed money over time is going to serve them the best. So, you know, a few basis points here or there are not really going to make that much difference if you're fine-tuning along the way. Um, so, what we do, or what we were doing, is that we were actually um, inviting clients to stay connected with us on social media post transaction. So that was one of one of our post uh, post transaction follow-up systems was sending this email out, inviting them to connect and to follow. And what we found was that, uh, you know, I think we put like 400 invites out. uh, And at the end of the day, I think we only had like 20 people uh, jump in on that. So what we've now been doing is rather than um, sending an email to invite them to connect, uh, we're just actually hunting them down now <laughs> it sounds like mortgage stocking but mm-hmm. what we do is when we complete a transaction we take a look to see if they have a social media profile a facebook or a linkedin and what we do is we go on there and we just invite them uh to connect with us and just say that we really appreciate working with them we look forward to staying in contact with them and we find that social media is a good way of doing that and you know that, that's that's the context of our or the content of our uh of our invitation to connect on social media, what we're finding now is that we're more like seven out of ten. So it's really made a, a you know foundational difference.
0: staying so, connected with our clients. So from a practical perspective, you were initially sending out an email that said, uh, you know, hey, here, like our page. People are like, yeah, you know, two and twenty and four hundred were saying yes. And now you yeah. you have. So do you have like a page or do you just have like a profile that's sort of like. Because you, you can friend somebody much easier than you can have them like your page. So does it, do you use a profile, like a Rob Regan-Pollock profile that, you know?
1: Yeah, there's there's a, yeah, and team, Rob Regan-Pollock on, on Facebook, and then I have my LinkedIn profile. So, and we also have a Twitter, uh, a Team RRP Twitter uh, account. So, yeah, so what we're doing now is the uh, staff are reaching out to clients um, through my LinkedIn, uh, if they're on LinkedIn, or through Facebook, if they're on Facebook. Uh, and, uh, we're, we're connecting that way. So that way the updates that I do, there is a blog that I, that I create, uh, probably three times a month, uh, I'd say on average, and it's just economic updates and information. Um, so again, I, you know, I'd like it, I'd like to make it meaningful information. So it has some impact when we're sending this out to, to clients, but we also paste that on, on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn and, uh, tweet it out.
0: Right. And can you give, do you, do you have any, like, you obviously track your leads and stuff. So do you have any, like, uh, evidence that it's working as far as generating business?
1: Yeah, it's um, hard to say because eighty percent of what comes in is either repeat or referral. um, What I can say though is that through the social media platform uh, our ranking has continued to increase based on the amount of traction that we're getting. Um, So what we've actually found now is we're getting two new leads a month on average just from people cruising Google and seeing our, our team and uh, they're in the neighborhood here. So, you know, we've had a, a few walk-ins, whether they be medical professionals, because we're in the medical district here, mm-hmm. or business owners that have basically just come up uh, to our office and asked to see us, saying that they uh, saw us on uh, on uh, on Google, read our reviews, saw the information, our website, uh, our blog, and uh, felt like they wanted to, to work with us. Uh, so, so that's kind of nice uh, in being able to develop that. It's kind of a a bonus uh, because really for us it's about building community with our clients and being able to continue to add value post transaction so if that spills over into a social media framework that that professionals and other people in the area here like and it's driving business uh, it's just an added bonus
0: okay one last question on this Uh, so on the facebook profile and stuff so are you posting just business related things or do you have personal as well what's your sort of What's your mix? Yeah,
1: so I have my own personal Facebook and that's for for friends, family. Uh, the the team RP1 is more so about us and our team and what we're doing. Um, so it's yeah, so from what I'm I'm yeah, so I am keeping it separate.
0: Okay. Yeah, it, it that that's a good strategy. So, um and so, Yeah, anyway, I, I love what you're doing there. And actually, that was an administrative process that I asked about, but it sounded an awful lot like a sales process as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I guess at the end of the day, you know, we are, even though we're in the mortgage business, it's all about getting the word out. So yeah, know, we are really a lead generation company, um, you know, working to to serve and to add value. But, you know, um, mortgages just happen to be the the end product that, that we're helping people with. But really, at the end of the day, people have to know what you're doing in order to... Uh, you know, for you to stay busy,
0: so, right? So okay, a sales process, really. So the the next question is very similar to this. So same thing. Uh, uh, successful brokers have sales processes in place, and they're willing to adjust them if the pro- it's not working as well. So can you share an example of maybe a sales process? Uh, it can either be before the client, you know, before or after or during, but a process that wasn't working and an adjustment you made and what the outcome was.
1: Yeah. So as far as newsletters go, so again, you know, part of the the drip method and. and Keeping contact with with customers. Uh, What I found really interesting is that we we took the merit survey from camp where you're supposed to connect with your clients, you know, minimum four to six times a year. You know, six times was the ideal. If it's less than that, you're, you know, not optimizing it. If you're more than six times a year, you might be viewed as a mortgage stalker and and Mm -hmm. that's not cool. So uh, we we took that to heart and we started sending out newsletters. Uh, So we're getting six newsletters out uh, every every year. Um, And then you know, when we started to chat with people, uh, they're saying, Rob, or, you know, to the advisors, uh, you know, this is the first time we've actually communicated with you. And we kept getting this feedback that um, they said this is the first time they've heard from us since the transaction. And I'm like, well, have you been getting my newsletters? They say, well, yeah, but that's not the same. You know, like putting something into an envelope and sending it to me four times a year is not the same as actually picking up the phone or, or talking to me. So, you know, from a relationship perspective, you said you're going to maintain a relationship. And, and to me, that means you know two-way dialogue back and forth. So it was like a big light bulb moment that we're spending all of this money on newsletters and processes to, to stay in touch with people. But from their perspective, you know, back to no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, um, they thought that that was kind of a cheap way out. And um, so from that point on, we instituted annual reviews, whereby we contact every single client um, once a year. So uh, our client service coordinator, coordinator, Alan, is checking in with everybody annually to see how they're doing, and uh, so he's making a good number of phone calls a day. Uh, but from that, we're finding out that you know people are changing careers, they're planning to buy real estate, uh, you know they need room to grow. So it's actually turning into a nice uh, lead generation and sales process, uh, and it's also honoring our commitment to stay in contact with people.
0: So mm-hmm. that's a and so does he have like a list of questions that he asks, or does? That, the one yeah,
1: yeah. and they're and they're homegrown, you know, so we fine tune those over time. Um, so it's all about um yeah, so sharing relevant information, so saying where their rate is compared to where the market is, um, uh, you know, have they had any changes in income? Is there any family planning going on? Like like what are some of the, the things that have happened in the last year that uh they might want to know about and you know, what about the market would they like to know about? So you know, so I keep Alan up to date on, on information and he's very good at it himself and understanding what the market is doing and, and where rates are, so he has a, a script, and and again that's all customized to, uh, to the type of client that it is, um, right. And, and what we're doing.
0: Well, that, there's a reason that you're you do the amount of business you do. Obviously, you you guys are thinking about all every single touch point and how important they are and how to, you know, like you said, honor your client and at the same time you know grow your business with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's really, uh, Scott, what, what we need to do is to, uh, you know, respect. Uh, I mean, uh, when I look at, at the transaction approach, uh, what what that does, you know, from, from my perspective is it creates the need to always be hunting. And I really consider myself more as a farmer. So really what I want to do is to grow this book of business, you know, look after it, nurture it. And that in it itself and how we assist these people becomes part of my marketing and sales process is that, you know, how you treat these people and how you leave them feeling is really uh, how you're gonna continue to grow the business mm-hmm. so, uh, you know so for me it's aligned uh, you know quite nicely and it's taken a lot of time to figure out how to do it.
0: And that's, that's awesome I, I'm gonna be I take notes on every show I always listen to them at least um, a couple times because I find right now I'm trying to stay in the conversation but I'm gonna go okay. back and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be writing down a whole bunch of stuff from this conversation so Excellent. I, I there's a recurring theme I've noticed too of talking to brokers, and there seems to be two camps forming one is on the need to divers like cross sell and diversify your income and so some people think that's the way to go, and other people think no, just stick to mortgage brokering uh I just wanted to know what your take was on it, and if you are diversifying, what area are you focusing on?
1: Yeah, so through invis and m i there are a couple of products that that are available to help streamline the process for for clients so there is the uh, Mortgage Life and, and Disability Critical Illness uh, that can be a, a tag-along. And we have a unique relationship uh, being directly plugged into cattle life uh, through, through Invis-M.I. Uh, we also have uh, a um, property and casualty uh, insurance through Unitas, which is a, a national brokerage firm, uh, where we can offer point-of-sale convenience on the um, uh, fire insurance uh, for, for the home. So the... Um, yeah, I'm zoning out here. What, what that uh, you know, the property and casualty insurance for the house insurance. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple of products that are available at point of sale for for convenience uh, that are competitively priced and and you know can add uh, additional revenue uh, to to the transaction. Other than that, there isn't really anything else that uh, that that we do other than those uh, two products. Uh, but I do believe that it's nice, um, you know, and, and I've always been an advocate of having a certain amount of your business you know, where appropriate, going into a trailer fee model. Mm -hmm. I know that that's, you know, had some challenges, uh, but there are a number of providers out there that do provide uh, trailer fees. So, you know, if you can put 10% of your book into a trailer fee model, uh, you are building an annuity and value in your business. uh, And that's where the, you know, life insurance and the uh, house insurance also comes in. So Mm -hmm. those are products that that do have uh, recurring uh, annuities to them and uh, can just help in, in building value in the business.
0: Right. No, that's fantastic. So a- another thing I've been noticing too is that a lot of successful brokers, like how do you stay sharp? Do you have like, uh, cause obviously you've been doing it a long time and you're, you're constantly improving your business, but do you have like a mastermind group? Do you have like, how do you, who, who helps you stay sharp?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of, of groups that I belong to. So there's uh, a number of entrepreneurs uh, in Vancouver that I, that I hook up with once a month uh, to share ideas and, and, and business. And, yeah. So the whole idea is is conceptualizing and, and always being geeked out. Um, you know, and that's the drive and the passion that I have for for what I do. So you know that that comes down to looking at at fellow people. Um, uh, the community uh, I have as well within the group of our company here are also good. You know, we call it the brain trust. So uh, with the other advisors, uh, they keep me sharp as well. And mm-hmm. I find as a team leader, I have a bit more time on my hands because really, you know, my responsibility is, is developing business uh, for for the firm uh, and spending time and looking at new opportunities. So I find that I am spending time, uh, you know, reading some of the headlines, some of the industry journals, uh, working with, with some of my team, looking outside at other business uh, owners here, here in Vancouver to, to stay sharp. So... I I think it's more so an attitude, Scott, that, you know, the attitude is that you're always a student of this game because Mm -hmm. everything is always changing. And, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, it's been funny how I've sat around the table with, you know, some top producers that that you and I both know. And we're looking at each other saying, you know, one of the things that we prided ourselves on was being able to have this pattern recognition established through years of practice where okay, here's the pattern, we know through the Rolodex in our head, this is where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And we kind of had to relearn and adapt all of that in the last few years because everything has changed so, you know, so significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the basics of credit are still there, but you know, how they're applied and, and what you used to be able to do versus what you can do now uh, is, is different. So that to me has you know, been a huge amount of time and, and staying on top of my game that way.
0: Right. Okay. Thank you. That's awesome. So now I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. So these you can answer with a little shorter answers if you like. So what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? I'd
1: say technical knowledge and the ability to work hard because this business is way, way harder than, you know, it's simple what we do, but it's not easy.
0: Right. And what one thing or habit do you think has made you successful?
1: Um, gosh, I think it's my discipline and adherence to processes.
0: Right. Yeah. And do you have an internet resource or software program you use to make your business more successful?
1: Uh, not really. No. I'd say so- social media is probably the you know the, where I foray into uh, in, into the web-based area there.
0: hmm And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be?
1: Uh, E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. That was my, my Bible.
0: Yeah. That's a great book. And where do you think our industry's headed? Where's the opportunity?
1: Well, it's heading more into advisory and relationship, and I think that's where the opportunity is. I think uh, competing at a transaction level or going straight to, to price and commoditization of the industry um, is, is a dangerous precedent. So I think if we can continue to focus on the advisory side and working with people long term, uh, that's where the opportunity is.
0: Mm-hmm. And here's one of my favorite questions. It's called the DeLorean question. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Totally. And so the DeLorean is the car with the, the cool doors. And so if, if you could get in the DeLorean and travel back to your first day... You're
1: not day... old enough to be in the DeLorean, man. You're not old enough.
0: <laughs> Me? No. I Actually, I saw that. I watched that movie recently again, and it's, uh, it's a pretty good movie. Um, so if you could get in the DeLorean and travel back to your first day as a mortgage broker and give yourself three pieces of advice so that your business would be bigger today, what would you tell yourself?
1: Well, first thing is I would have hired an assistant sooner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the second was I would put myself out there... Um, more like with the benefit of hindsight, uh, there are times where I was holding back uh, or expecting the rewards would be immediate uh, for some of the work that I did and um, you know what what I'd say is that um just just doing it and not thinking about it, not over analyzing it, uh, just putting yourself out there and don't expect rewards right away, just work hard and know it'll be there for you
0: Mm-hmm. and and so- the
1: third one would be uh not to buy the Motorola brick phone that was a bad idea.
0: the Motorola brick phone. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, how can people find you online, Rob?
1: Uh yeah, triple dot com.
0: That's and, where I'm at. And are you guys hiring at all?
1: Uh no. No. We um are basically a close shop at this point. I'm I'm training an intern, Trish. Um, and it's more of an account management role uh book that I have. So uh we don't really we have one or two external hunters, but that's it. And uh I really want to focus on the on the book of business and continue to grow the
0: book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, I have really appreciated your time and your insights. I'm definitely going to be listening again and writing down notes and and tweaking my processes. Thank you so much for your time. If people want to check out the show notes, they can go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com All the resources will be there. Rob, I hope you rock the rest of your year.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Scott. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, great to chat with you. So um, happy to share and uh, wish
0: everyone well in their practice. Thanks, man. The only podcast for brokers by brokers. I Love Mortgage Brokering will inspire you to up your mortgage business. Join your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip. And I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokingcom slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing. Since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.